Hello there. We're coming together for another podcast, uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Home Bible Studies in Hebrews. And this is the Claude and Christian Assembly podcast, and I'm your host, Andrew. And we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11 together today. We just commend ourselves to God in prayer before we look at this chapter. Father, help us to understand your word better. Help us to appreciate the Lord Jesus more as we look into each chapter and help us, our Father, to go away as better Christians as a result of our podcast today and our study together. In the Lord's holy name, amen. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 11. What an epic chapter of the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we know as we look at this chapter together very quickly, we'll discover that faith uh, is developed in so many different ways. And it is developed taking the example from the Old Testament, from greats of the Old Testament, both men and women, uh, young and old. And, and, and we're going to see a wonderful uh, development of of the principle of faith in action in people's lives. Faith in action is really what we have in this chapter. We'll think about uh, what we mean by faith in a second or two. But I think it's important that we read this chapter in the context where we are in Hebrews. We've looked at chapter 1 to 10 and we've seen how the Lord Jesus magnetically attracts us to him by his greatness. Judaism had a pull. It was all about the here and now and the tangible and the scene, the temple, the priesthood, the nation, friends and families on this side tugging at these young Christians to come back to the Jewish fold. At the other end was the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer so far has presented him as incomparable to anyone else. He's been seen as the Son of God, the captain of our salvation, the apostle and high priest of our confession, and so much more. Greater than uh, all the ancient priesthood and everything associated with us, with it, with a, with a covenant that is so much greater and 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 something that's so much greater than, than Judaism could ever offer. But the problem was they faced, he was not tangible or physical. He was not with them in that sense. Of course, he is that uh, in heaven. But he was not with them in a tangible and physical way. He had promised to come again in the future, but he wasn't present now. How can the writer influence these Christians towards Christ and away from the dangerous Jewish snare? Well, he does it by describing how faith really works. It takes the Christian's future hope, makes it a present reality. It tries, tests and proves the unseen God in the life of the believer. And this faith is foundational in understanding and acting. It has passive and active dimensions. So to put it a different way, having shown the greatness of Christ in the first 10 chapters of the great magnet to draws people, now he shows the constancy of faith among the great heroes of the past as seen in the scripture. And so as we look at these last three chapters, chapter 11, 12 and 13, someone has pointed out that just the way in the middle of chapter 10, it tells us that we are to draw near with a full assurance of faith, that we are to... They hold and hold fast the confidence of our hope and to consider one another to stir up to love, faith, hope and love being brought together. 
uh, in chapter 10. So this chapter will be about faith. And chapter 12, in a lot, a, a lot of ways, will be about hope. And chapter 13, in a lot of ways, will be about love. And so as he comes to the, the, where the rubber hits the road in the lives of these Christians, he's going to bring home some of these wonderful characteristics, these primary colours of Christian experience and, and development. So let's look at chapter 11 together, this faith chapter. We'll read the chapter uh, and then we'll look at it for a few minutes together. You'll notice at the end of chapter 10, it says, We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe or have faith, exactly the same word as we have in the next verse, have faith to the saving of the soul. And then he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does he mean by that? We'll, we'll, we'll think of that in a minute or two. Uh, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead yet speaks. By faith Enoch was taken that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place where he would receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from when they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to call them their God. To be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac shall your seed be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. 
by faith Jacob when he was dying blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the top of his staff by faith Joseph when he was dying made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones by faith Moses when he was born was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and were not afraid of the king's command by faith Moses when he was became of age refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood lest they lest he destroy the firstborn should touch them by faith the passing through the Red Sea, uh, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for several days. By faith, the Rahab, uh, Rahab harlot Rahab did not per- sorry, I should say, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the age of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the foreigners. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We'll read the first paragraph of chapter 12. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That reading is taken from the New King James Version. We won't be able to do anything but perhaps give a short overview of this wonderful chapter of Scripture. Um, there are many ways we can look at it. Uh, you can simply take the, the time um, categories that we have, the, the different ages that are mentioned um, before the flood, after the flood, the Abrahamic times and so on. Um, we could do it that way. However, I just want to maybe take a different look at it. Uh, maybe it will help to understand and unpack the passage uh, in a different way. When we look at this this chapter is, is quite evident and qu- quite quickly evident that the whole, the subject matter of the chapter is faith. And the question it 
is really what's meant by faith. Now we know a basic definition of faith would be placing our trust and our confidence in in, in the invisible God. However, it's not dealing so much with a, a definition of faith as a description of what faith does. I I might speak about a car and I might define the car by saying it's a a four-wheeled motorised vehicle that takes you from A to B in some way. Or I might tell you that the car is just what we need. Now, I say the car is. The car is. Now, we're not using it the same way. One is uh, describing something that is relating to us and the other is maybe just a more general definition. Now, what we have in this chapter is something that's very specifically related to the context in which it's found. You see, what we have with with faith and the exercise of faith in the believer's life, what, what they're doing is that they're taking something that is unseen and it has become seen to them. The invisible God, they pray to an invisible God. And so you see a Christian praying or whatever, and, and that's an, an evidence of the fact that they believe in, that they have faith and confidence in the invisible God. Now, there's also a sense in which that God has made promises about the future. And so there are things that are not only invisible, but in the future. And, and we are bringing not only the invisible into the visible, but we're bringing the future into the present with faith and by faith. And so this is really where where the start comes. And I think it's important we see that because what is happening here is that we have these Christians. They had lost everything outwardly. They were not in a presently nice circumstance. And yet they had these great future hopes and, and they had promises that they were holding on to in Christ. And so the way in which they can make those promises real to them is is by exercising faith, by trusting in the invisible God. The way that it will become real to them is if they're living in the good of the faith that they have. By faith, we will read, uh, and then he runs down a list of things. Now, the other thing that's really important to understand is that he takes up characters from the Old Testament. You think about it from their perspective. They were almost being, uh, feeling that they were losing part of the Old Testament. They were losing all the rituals of the Old Testament. They were losing the, the, the Judaism of the Old Testament, if you like. But the great characters of faith always operated, the great characters of the Old Testament always operated on the principle of faith. God revealed something to them, spoke to them in some way, revealed himself to them, and they received that by faith. Now, faith is not a glorified, wishful thinking so when it says in in the first verse evidence of things not seen the fact that someone has a thought or a wishful thought about something doesn't make it real so what how we do you understand this first statement now let's look at it for a minute and i'll tell you how i understand it now faith is the substance of things hoped for it is the giving substance to of things hoped for it's what gives substance to what you are uh, hoping for now the hope here is is the hope on the promise of God so what brings that home to us is by an exercise of faith of trusting the God who gives the message 
So faith is the giving substance. It fills out, it makes real to us a giving substance to of the things that are hoped for there in the future. It brings them into the present. The evidence, or it could be translated the testing and proving of things not seen. And what we do when we exercise faith, faith in not only in the in, in the understanding sense, but in the active sense, we are putting to the test the unseen God. The things that are not seen are being brought home to us in a very particular way. Now, these two aspects, the future being brought into the present by faith and the unseen being brought into the seen in our own experience by faith, uh, are both going to be brought together in the character in the characters that, that we read off in the next number of, of, of sections. So it's important we get that overarching understanding of, of where we're going uh, in this chapter. So you could say that what he's talking about is how faith works in the life of the believer. So verse 1 and 2, I'm going to speak about the workings of faith. Verse 3 to 7, the worldview of faith. We'll look at that in a minute. Then we'll look at the walk of faith from verse 8 to 16. The winning of faith, verse 17 to 22. The wealth of faith, 23 to 29. The wonders of faith, 30 to 35. The worthiness of faith, verse 35 to 38. And finally, I've called it the width, but we might want to call it the welcome of faith, verse 39 and 40. So we'll we'll look at these. you see... Hopefully you'll see why I've called those things as we go down through this section. It will be a, a kind of very quick spin over this passage. <clears throat> now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are giving evidence to the proving of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And so this idea of testimony and, and of witness to uh, the veracity and the value of faith is something that has come out in the Old Testament. He's not speaking to a bunch of atheists here. He's speaking to people that believe in the unseen God and he's telling them how faith works. So you'll find with the atheists what they like to do is they like to make a, a dichotomy between evidence and, and faith. They, they like to say, well, I'm all for evidence. I'm not for faith. And their idea of faith is this kind of wishful thinking. Um, that, that you just sort of, this abstract, airy-fairy idea that, that you just have faith. It doesn't matter what you have faith in. Now, that, that, that is not the biblical understanding of faith. Faith relies on the revelation of God and the Word of God. So uh, we, we come to understand something about God and we put it to the test in a sense. We, we rely on it. We put our weight on it. That is how we exercise Faith, we find out that God is the God of love, that he sent the Son, that, that if we trust in him, we will have our sins forgiven. And we act on that. We place our trust in Christ. We exercise faith. And so what we're doing is we're we're responding to the word of God and we're relying on the character of God. That's how we exercise faith. Now, it's important we see that that is not against evidence. God has given evidence. He's given evidence around us in the world of his existence. He's given evidence um, in the person of Christ, of his love. He has given evidence in so many different ways and at so many different 
levels. So faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, a good witness. They had their commendation, the ESV say. Now notice the next part. Not only the workings of faith, but the worldview of faith, verse 3 to 7. I think he brings up four different um, characteristics, um, or, or if you like, pillars of the worldview of faith over the next four examples. The first thing he says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things are seen are not made of the things that are visible. Now, he's taking us back to creation here, uh, a creating God. And we look around us and we find out creation had a beginning. It had a point in time in the past. In fact, it's, it's written for us in the stars. You know, you, you can look into the stars and, and you can see that they're stretching out. And it tells us that there must have been, if you press the reverse, that it must have all began some point. And once we understand that there must have been a beginning to the creation, that, that, the, that the, the creation is still being stretched out across the sky, as it were, once we understand that, we, we understand that the things which are seen cannot have been made by things that are visible. We come to the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so the immaterial, invisible God was the one who brought into creation into into pass uh, into being the universe that we have around us so the first thing we understand about this this worldview of faith is that we believe in a creator god a god who has created visible things uh, although he is himself invisible by faith we understand that the world or the universe was framed by the word of god in fact that word for worlds or universe is the same word that we get the thought of ages and so we think of the time space continuum and people like to speak about these kind of things and, and it's all invested in that word in the, the Hebrew uh, the original word in, in, in Greek I should say now notice not only do we understand something about creation by this uh, by faith there's, there's this pillar of faith on, on the fact that God has created everything but also we have another pillar of faith and it's that we need acceptance by God through sacrifice. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying to his gift and though being dead he still speaks. And so there's this idea of, of the fact that there is a God and we must be accepted by him and the, the way to is acceptance is by sacrifice. Now how did Abel know this? Well I take it he knew it from the experience of Adam and Eve. It could have been that there was a further revelation given to him uh, but God clothed Adam and Eve with, Eve with uh, the animal skins and so on and that t told him something about the, the necessity of the death of, of, of a victim in order that he might be uh, brought into God's presence and so he takes the very best he has and he gives it the firstlings of the flock as we know and the fact they're off and so I take it that in some way anyway there was revelation given to Abel he responded to it by faith um, and he as a result uh, was blessed so the first two things we learn about this kind of faith is first of all that that there's a creator God 
that we have come to understand exists even though we don't see him but he has left his fingerprint on the universe around us. Secondly we understand that we must be accepted by him and that that acceptance is by means of his revelation and, and it has to do with sacrifice and so Abel still being dead he speaks of course we never read of Abel speaking himself and yet we read of his blood speaking we, we read of crying out from the ground we read of, of him being dead yet speaking uh, and he's a wonderful character study what about Enoch well I think what we learn in the worldview of faith here is not only about acceptance with God but ultimate glorification in God and and and, and being with God forever By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. So death is seen as this foreign um, uh, enemy that you can can escape from. Uh, Enoch proves that uh, he was found because God had taken him. He was not found because God was taking him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, So Enoch clearly exhibited this faith. He trusted in God. He believed that God was able to, to save him out of the circumstance in which he was in. And God did that very thing. By, by faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists. That takes us back to the first pillar of the worldview of faith. The first pillar being that God is there. God exists. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That takes us to the... The second pillar I take it, Enoch uh, of the of the or sorry Abel who who came to seek God uh, willingly, so on. And, and Enoch's is the life that followed. His was a life of pleasing God, uh, and, and of course these Christians were being called not only to exercise faith in that initial sense of conversion, but throughout their life, as we'll see, when we go through this chapter. Finally, we have by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now what do we have here? I think we have the fourth in this worldview of faith, in the pillars of the worldview of faith. The fourth being that there is a coming judgment. There is a coming thing not seen that God has revealed and of course that's exactly true according to scripture there is coming judgment and and so at a, as a foundation level when we're looking at these things we have to understand that that faith has a, a perspective a a way in which to view the world a pair of glasses that we must uh, put on a, a paradigm through which we look and it involves uh, these four big principles a creator God and an invisible creator God a, 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 an acceptance with God that's necessary a life that 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 follows thereafter that pleases God and an ultimate rescue from the judgment um, of, of God upon an ungodly world he became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith so that is the worldview of faith Next we have, of course, the walk of faith, Abraham. Abraham is the great character, the father of those who believe, the father of the faithful. Look at Romans chapter 4 and different passages, which really beefs up this thought in our, in our minds. And so we're going to see Abraham, and he obeys, and he dwells, and he waits, and then Sarah, she receives strength, and so on. And we've got this, this 
wonderful uh, development of the life of Abraham and this walk that wasn't just at the beginning of his life, but throughout his life. And you'll see this characteristic. Faith is not just something that you start the Christian life with, but something that you develop and manifest throughout your Christian experience. And so let's look at verse 8 to 12 for a minute or two. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So you say, well, he just went out on a wing and a prayer kind of thing. Well, no, that's not really the thought in this sense. The God of glory appeared to him, we learn in Acts chapter 7. We, we know that God told him to get out. We know that he responded to the word of God. And so faith responds to something concrete. God has given his word. It's worth obeying God. God, we have discovered, is trustworthy. And so therefore, we respond in faith to God and to his word. So he went out and he acted in faith. And so it's important that we see that that faith is active at times. And this walk of faith, he obeyed and he went out and he dwelt in the land of promise. Sometimes it's it's just about dwelling. He he dwelt in the land of promise. God had promised that that was going to be his land, told him to to go about in the land of promise he dwelt in it however as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Abraham and Jacob and who were heirs with him now you say well why did he not just pitch his not only not why did he just pitch his tent and not dig great foundations well because Abraham had a higher aspiration of faith Uh, you'll see that in the next bit for he waited for the city that has foundation whose builder and maker is God uh, you say, well, what does this mean? Well, well, Abraham's vision of faith stretched beyond the, the physical and the temporal to something greater and eternal. And of course, this is what these Christians are being asked to do. By, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to say, how can I do this myself? I, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to hold on, as it were. Well, Sarah, she received strength. To conceive seed and bore a child. And, and she was fruitful. And, and this faith is now bearing fruit. As it were. When she was past the age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promise. You notice? The faith was in the promise of God. She judged the character of God to be faithful. Now that's of course as Christians what we do. We, we, we don't have any physical symbol that God is going to be faithful to us. But we have his word. And we know that we can trust his word. Because we've come to know him. And so we respond in faith. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand by the seashore. So we have what I would term the walk of faith. The whole round of their life developing and growing and having this vision that reached over the horizon. Now this is really important. Before the Second World War, um, there was a remarkable invention, and it was the invention of radar. And some people with foresight, we might say, uh, set up a number of radar stations along the south coast of England. Uh, you'll probably know about this. And, and this was just really important. When it came to the Battle of Britain, if there wasn't the radar, the, the Britain would have lost the battle. There seems to be no Doubt. And so when the German planes were amassing over France, they were already on the radar of the English. 
and and so they could tell well there's 50 bombers coming from the east there's there's 40 more coming uh, at 20,000 feet from the from the south whatever it be uh, they could see it before they came over the horizon they could look over the horizon with their tall um radar uh, antennae and so on uh, and so when we think of that just for a minute uh, God has given us another way of seeing. We have we have exercised faith and, uh, and, and we now can see beyond the visible and the tangible. And here's Abraham and he's walking about this land. And it must have been lovely for him to think that one day that he would own this. But he just pitches his tent. Why? Because he has a higher aspiration. His aspiration is to, to get to that city where God is there. He wants to be with God. He wants to dwell with God. And so... Um, they're being called to that as well. They might have lost all these earthly things, but and we are too as Christians. We shouldn't get our roots too deeply down in this world. We should have a vision that sees beyond the temporal and even beyond death, as we'll see in a minute. So these all died in faith. Notice this, the next little bit here. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so he's just stopping to, to really bring this home to his audience. Uh, for those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek, seek a homeland. Truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return, but they desired a better, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so this again has the setting of they have come out of Judaism. They, you know, they don't need to hanker back after it. Abraham was on the way out because he was going to somewhere better. And God had a, had a, a plan, a city for him, which was so much superior. And he developed that in chapter uh, 12 for these Christians as well. A heavenly Zion that is there for these Christians. Notice in the next section, I've called it the winning of faith from verse 17 to 22. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel, and so on. So this little section, I think what we have is perhaps what I've termed the winning of faith. The winning of faith. It, the, the, what confronts us in this little section is that death, the great spectre death, is not a barrier to those who are operating by faith. So we have Abraham and he's going to have to offer up Isaac. And he who has received the promise is going to offer up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. So, so we're, we're given the promise of God. In Isaac, your seed will be called. And he has to go up and offer. He has to, he has to as it were, put Isaac on that altar. And yet he concluded that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So, so when Abraham went up that mountain and he says... I and the lad will go look yonder and worship and come again to you. And the four says that we will both come again to you because it's in the plural in Hebrew. He wasn't saying that in some way, hiding the truth from Isaac. 
he was saying what he believed to be the truth. He believed he would go up that mountain. He believed he would offer him on that mountain. And he believed that God would raise him from the dead on that mountain. Why? Because God had given him the firm assurance that it was an Isaac his seed would be called. And so he knew that God would be faithful to his word. He exercised faith in the word and promise of God. Even over death. That, that is the principle here. And by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. When, when, when Isaac was there and you say, well, it didn't work out just as simply as that. Uh, right out of the Hebrews. I mean, there was a bit of coming and going in this circumstance, wasn't there? Well, yes, there was. But there was one thing was clear. That the blessing was important to Isaac. It was more important than than. He just left it to himself. He, he could see beyond death and he says, I must pass on this blessing to my uh, children. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. What is it? They're seeing over the horizon. And this... These Christians were facing, some of them at times were facing persecution, possible death. And they had to see beyond death. And, and what gave them the vision to see beyond death and above these things? How, how could they see beyond them? Well, they could only do it in as much as they were exercising faith in the promise of God that was given to them. Brother and sister, we live in a time when people are afraid of dying. Perhaps in our generation the most that they have been. It's important that we as Christians really exude our hope and our security and the wonder we have that we know where we're going. Why? Because we have rested in the promise of God. We have exercised faith. So this is the winning of faith. Then we have the wealth of faith, 23 to 29. Look at 23 to 29. We'll see what happens here in this section is they saw and they, they esteemed and they were endure, uh, enduring. Let's look at it in a wee bit more detail. Uh, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. Now, when I say the wealth of faith, I really mean that, well, put it like this. We might call it a value system. The value system of faith would be better. They, they attribute, those who are exercising in faith, attribute a wealth to certain things, a value to certain things that other people don't attribute as much. In this case, the parents of Moses saw that he was a beautiful child. Do you think it is just that they woke up one morning and their lovely little baby and thought, oh, what a beautiful little child. We'll, we'll, I think we'll keep him. Not at all. Not at all. I don't think that's the point. They, they, they saw that there was a value in him for God. And, and, and they, they understood that it was a transcendent value. There was something remarkably valuable in this young life. And they saw it. Of course we live in a day where young lives are very cheap, aren't they? Lives before they come out of the womb are, are treated as subhuman and, and not as invaluable or important as your career or, or this or that. And, and that wasn't the way they operated. Why they placed a value on the life of Moses. Now, 
was there a sense in which they got that from God? I, I don't really doubt that. I think there was a revelation in it. They knew that there was something in this this baby that God would use. And, and so they responded by faith and they hid him. They were not afraid of the king's command. And so they exercised faith. So this is faith that goes through a family. You notice this. It starts with the faith of his parents. And then by faith Moses, when he came, became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of Israel than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. This is where, again, it's to do with the value, to do with the, 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 the attributed value. As, as he looks upon it, and you look in the circumstance, in the situation, you would say, well, Moses, would it not be better that you just stay where you are, the son of Pharaoh's daughter? But he placed a value on the reproach of the Christ. And he thought it was greater than all the wealth and treasures of Egypt. And so you can see that this, this value system of faith is operating here, not only in Moses' parents, but in Moses himself. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You notice again this idea of seeing the invisible, something that comes right down from the first verse of the chapter. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, notice, they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. And the faith that began in a quiet way in the family home. A faith that was exhibited in crucial times in in his Moses' life when he when he came of age, when he forsook Egypt. I take it perhaps as the second forsaking of Egypt that's here. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. So Something that started small, as it were. And, and that ripple effect of faith is seen here. This is wonderful to think about. Something that can be so small and God can use it. You remember the Lord speaks about the seed of faith. If you had faith like the, a grain of mustard seed. And you think of how faith can grow. Uh, our mustard seed can grow. And so on. And, and, and so there's that thought of, of a ripple effect that is happening. And it began with a, a prayerful mother and a, and a devoted father. In the case of Moses. And so we have the, the wealth or the value system of faith. What about the wonders of faith? Verse 30 to 35. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith Rahab didn't perish. What more can I say? Time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the foreigners. Some translations have aliens, but you know what, you know what it means. It's talking about those who were foreign. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And so on. So this is the, the wonders of faith. That kingdoms are subdued. Walls are falling down. Righteousness has worked. Mouths of lands are stopped. And this is all the working out of this principle of faith in the lives of individuals. We should really grasp hold of this. This is why the Lord said, as grain of mustard seed can, can move mountains. 
if we only could grasp the principle and, and rest in the Lord the way we should. Notice the worthiness of this faith in the lives of, of believers. Verse 35b. And we go down these verses. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of mocking, scourgings, chains, imprisonments, stones, so on and two. Tempted, slain with a sword, wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. You say, oh, that's awful. It's just awful to think all those things happened to them. And you'll notice the epitaph of God. Of whom the world was not worthy. The worthiness of this faith. And the character change that it brings into the lives of individuals. May the Lord help us to have that. Finally there's a kind of width to this faith. Or, or we might say a welcome to this faith. In the last little section. And these having obtained a good testimony through faith. Didn't receive the promise. They didn't enter into the all the good of what they were involved in. Why? Why was that? God has provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. And they're being called, as it were, into the great lineup of faith, these Christians. And we are too. We're being called to line up alongside all these people. And, and, and actually we have blessings that they didn't have. And God has provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. That they shouldn't come to the completion of their faith without us. And so there's coming a day when Old Testament believers and New Testament believers and, and, and believers from all ages and arts and parts will be brought together around the sun in the kingdom to enjoy him forever. And that faith will be vindicated. But God has held it back until we're brought into the fold. And we have blessings that they didn't even have. And we see the, the welcome of this faith. New Testament believers brought in alongside Old Testament believers. Now you may say, well, the church is different. And to think, of course it is. And there are blessings that we have that they don't have. Of course that's true. That's part of what's being said here. But isn't it wonderful to think that we're just in this big line of those who have believed God, rested in the invisible God have taken the future blessings and made them a present reality in our lives. And so he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, sin which so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race set before us. Why? How? Looking to Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he finishes by focusing their mind back on the person of Christ, the one who has, has, has walked the pathway of faith, who has run the race of faith, who has been marked in his humanity as the one who was dependent on his God, and he has... And he has brought um, and has pioneered that walk of faith, that, that race of faith, right into the immediate presence of God. Now that's a bit stammering and stuttering, but I hope you can go and take something out of this chapter 11. There was no other way to cover such amount of material so quickly. So I trust that you will be blessed by it. I trust that uh, you'll be able to take something from this wonderful chapter 
of faith. Thank you.